Welcome to What I Wish I Knew by Dental Head Start, your weekly mentoring session thanks to cpdjunkie.com.au. How comfortable are you with endo? I think a lot of that has to do with us understanding our instruments, how to use them and how to use them safely without having issues occur. Separation is something that can occur and if an instrument's used wrong, it's going to occur more commonly. But the new materials and the different types of materials out there can really assist us in doing more challenging cases. Dr. Pat Coldwell is an endodontist based on the Sunshine Coast. He takes us through a masterclass on files, the materials, the differences and the pros and cons. He talks a little bit about how to use them, how to avoid fracture um, and what he's doing with these instruments. There's a whole range of things out there. There's different brand names and different metals that we need to understand. And if you want to learn more, you can find out more from Pat and his team at Endospot Skills School. They do an online uh, course where they actually send you out some stuff. You do a little um, hands-on component at home as well. This is something you can find at his website, skills.endospot.com endospot.com. At the end of this episode, we have the OrthoEd segment, segment six. It's on diagnosis and treatment planning. The OrthoEd segment is my journey through learning orthodontics and getting orthodontics, and it's in, with support of OrthoEd. I'm doing their mini masters. If you want to find out more, go to dentalheadstart.com slash OrthoEd. And it's been a while since I've said this, but I want to say thank you to all of you who share and like uh, the podcast, listen to the podcast. It, it it's been fantastic. We've well, well over 100,000 listens now. We've got a great team of people helping with it. Dr. Chidam Capel is a co-host. It's really grown to something more than I can imagine. So, thank you for listening. Um, always let us know what we can do better, who we can bring on, and I hope this is giving you value. Now, let's hear from Pat Colwell and what he usually finds when a dentist has referred a calcified canal. It's a fairly common situation where we have uh, referrals that come in and the, the referring dentist has found that they have been able, unable to get a file to length, right? And that's generally not because the canal is calcified, it's because it's just a narrow canal. And the instruments that, you know, we've had over time, nickel titanium instruments first came out and they were um, flexible, they seem very flexible at the time, uh, but they they still had this propensity to break, to separate. If you put them around too large a curve, then they would break sometimes. And so the instrument had to be fairly big and, and chunky, and we had to adjust our protocols to accommodate the fact that it might break. So we used to be fairly aggressive in our preparations, and we used to just find that those, those curved canals were... A significant challenge and now we have these heat treated nickel titanium materials and the heat treatment process improves the essentially the softness of the instrument so it's more flexible and it has greater cyclic fatigue which means you can put it around a bend and rotate it for much much longer before there's a risk of separating and this has then allowed the instruments to become um, narrower and so what we can find sometimes in, in endodontic practice is that we get referred these canals that the dentist hasn't been able to get a file to length and then we can use our more narrow, flexible instruments and all of a sudden we can get our instruments down <laughs> to length without a lot of work. And, you know, it's the magic, yeah, magic hands yeah, of an endodontist, yeah, right? That's yeah. it, that's <laughs> it, when it's really just choosing the correct instrument. And so one of the, the key skills that we like to teach 
in our programs is the use of glide path files. And glide path files are a bit scary because they are very narrow and very flexible. Um, and it, you know, when when we have these newer instruments that are heat treated, they uh, they have greater cyclic fatigue, which means you can go around a bend and run them for longer. But they don't have greater torsional strength. So if you push them down the canal and they bind or, you know, they slip into an isthmus or something, they're still going to snap off, right? So they're a bit scary because they can break. But when the specific skill of using those glide path files, and it's a completely new skill to the skill of using bigger, larger, chunky rotary night ties, when you do develop that skills, it just means that you can stop using um, such large hand files. Like you, we, we sort of teach a protocol where you only need to expand to a, a size 10 instead of having to go up to a size 15. And that's, I mean, that's half the battle. If you can, if you can prepare a canal to a size 15 hand file, you're awesome at endodontics already. <laughs> you know, you, you, that's that's a difficult thing to do in a lot of cases. If you've got a canal with a, a sharp curve apically, then getting a 15 to length on that without ledging or, you know, losing length or, or, or even potentially, you know, strip perfing or something like that is, is challenging. So the ability to now um, use more narrow files means that, you have these canals that used to be more difficult once you develop the skills to use them now becoming a little bit more routine and so with these newer heat treated nickel titanium and there's lots around almost every manufacturer now has a heat treated version of the instruments it means that um, you know we notice we'll prep a canal and it feels just like a normal case. And then we put the GP in and take an X-ray and it's got this enormous curve on it. And you think, man, uh, you know, I, I didn't even notice that that had that curve because the instruments were just managing it very easily. And because we're able to use the skinnier instruments, we're doing less work manually. So you're not having to fight so hard down the canal with hand files. And so it's just a matter of, you know, sort of, you almost have to unlearn the processes you had with the, the bigger, thicker, chunkier, harder instruments and then um, learn how to use these, these softer instruments because not only are they more flexible and softer, they, they just don't cut as efficiently. Um, so, you know, back in the old days, if you had your Protate the Universal F1 or F2 and you took the instrument to length, you, you didn't want to hang around. You know, you took it to length and you pulled the instrument out because one, it might break while it's rotating down there and two, it, it's going to straighten and it's, it, we're worried about strip perfing, we're worried about um, creating a, an elbow or a zip in the apex. Whereas with these newer instruments, you actually have to spend some time in the canal with them because they're almost almost burnishing. They're not really cutting quite so aggressively. And so you actually have to learn learn to spend time with these canals uh with these files in the canal i've got a couple of things i want to ask about that you've you've raised a bunch of good points i will make a a, a point i guess that 10 to 15 is, uh, sometimes we don't realize early on how big of a jump that is mm. and how stiff that file is mm. if you actually try to bend them you really learn a little bit about that mm. try bending a 25 mm -hmm. um and then think back to the people who might have taught you or even the generation before that mm. using just hand yeah files. amazing um, 
So uh, I want to ask, um, you talked about the glide path, the skill of using those. So I want to ask about that, but I also want to know, are you using these now, um, only these heat-treated uh, files, or are you using a combination? You're still using some of the nickel titaniums um, without the heat treatment? Um, no, not not really at all. Uh, so it's it's pretty much all uh, heat-treated stuff. The only time, you know, the, the times you might consider that are really retreatments, for example. So uh, because you want a file that cuts a bit more aggressively and you're trying to cut GP out of a a canal, um, so that might be an indication for using a non-heat treated file, but mostly just using heat treated instruments. But everyone's going to be different on that. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that's the best way because a lot of you know, if you ask ten different endodontists, you'll get ten different answers on that. Um, but that's what I'm doing anyway. Yeah, fair enough. Can you just rattle off a few brands just so we're just some of us will connect with the, that um, knowing a brand or two? So the, uh, the first uh, heat treated instrument I used was the Coltine Hyflex. Um, so that's um, that was very flexible and it is very flexible, uh, but it's it's quite slow in cutting. Um, the other big name ones at the moment are Reciproc Blue. So Reciproc was, is a reciprocating file. It was quite a, it, it's a sort of a bit of a chunky instrument and it never really loved going around sharp curves, but um, the new heat treated version is much nicer. Um, Vortex Blue was a heat treated instrument that was, that is still quite popular. The, um, it, it, is still a little bit stiff. Like the whole heat treatment has has sort of improved over time and there's some instruments that are in something I think called an R phase, which is sort of like a half heat treatment. Or it just it just affects when the um, what phase of the the, the nickel titanium is martensitic versus austenitic and, and what at what temperature they they change as well. So I think the R phase ones um, were twist files and maybe I don't know maybe pro the next is like that as well, um, and then there's the um, uh, DC taper um, that that uh, I sell, so I use a lot of that, um, and myself and Marco Sullivan uh, import that, uh, and we import something called Aurum Blue, which is a fixed taper file as well. Um, the true anatomy that dense fly sells is a very conservative file that has the the more advanced heat treatment on it. Um, they would be the main. Oh, oh Pro Taper Gold, of course, and Wave One Wave One Gold as well. Are heat treated instruments. Most, I mean, I don't know that there's that many instruments around that wouldn't be heat treated. Um, but I tell you what, if you're using one of those. Um, that isn't heat treated. You're probably uh, it's the equivalent of driving around in a um, 1999 Commodore, but paying 2020 car prices for it. Like it, it, <laughs> it, it literally doesn't make sense. It's like driving around in a 20 year old car because you don't want to learn how to drive a, a new car. You know, um, you just got all the bad bits and, and none of the good bits, and you're probably still paying relatively a lot of money for it. 
So that's a that's a great analogy. There's yeah. a few people that might be putting that segment and sending it to their boss. Yeah, or something sure, like that. So, sure. Um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about you said you know the skill of using these for the yeah. glide path. You yeah. know, it's actually pretty um, technique sensitive, and you can still separate them yeah. if they catch in yeah. an isthmus, etc. Tell us a little bit about that. Give us some tips there. Well, it, you know, with the with the the, the larger and, and more aggressive instruments, you you can. There's a little bit of feel involved in in sort of you're letting it run down the canal and you might even be pushing it a little bit sometimes but with a glide path file you really have to learn to let the file do the work you know you shouldn't be crew you know uh, you shouldn't be using any apical pressure at all in general it's a good rule not to use apical pressure um, when you're using a rotary file but especially when it comes to the glide paths and the more i guess the more heat treated they are in general you know the softer they are the less you're going to be able to to push on them um the ones that uh that are the most sort of heat treated i guess like some of the dc taper ones they um they don't have shape memory so they'll they'll you can pre-bend them before you put them into the canal um which is a significant benefit of all the the heat treated instruments as well being able to bend them before you put them in the canal but if you put you know, if it's bent and you put it into the tooth and you start rotating it, it's going to start flopping around all over the place and, and you're not going to be able to get it into the canal orifice. And, you know, that's another thing. You've got to learn to actually put the file into the orifice, so into the canal before you start it rotating. Otherwise, it's just going to flop all over the place, right? So, you know, that that all of those little concepts really sort of um, – need to be taught so it's not an ideal thing to just sort of jump into the glide path files and the glide path files have been around for a long time like um the high flex edm and and the the path files the dense by path files um so they've been around for a long time and people have been using them for a long time so it's not really a new concept um but because the um because of the new heat treatment process and the fact that they can in- increase the cyclic fatigue of these instruments, they've been able to sort of produce instruments that are a little bit more usable for everyone, you know, and they're more flexible and can go around greater curves as well. Dental Protection Limited, they're more than just an indemnity insurer. Of course, they'll provide the best support they can when you have a tough time and you need them, but that goes without saying. More importantly, they're trying to help us prevent these things and they're doing this through their online education, their numerous blogs and articles, their live education, and now a podcast called Risk Bites that is bite-sized pieces of information to help you prevent medico-legal risks. And during this COVID-19 pandemic, they are providing unparalleled support to their members. So if you're a member, you know all this, but even if you're not, you can get a lot of this information online. Check DPL out and thank you DPL for supporting dental students and graduates and for supporting the Dental Head Start podcast. Is there any other points to think about with, you know, instrument design or choice of instruments and um, perhaps sizing now because these ones are more flexible, they can be skinnier, does that change things? Yeah, for sure. And that's um, that's one of the significant benefits as well. Obviously, there's a general movement towards being more conservative in terms of our um, endodontics in general. And there's two aspects of that. There's the amount of tooth structure we leave behind in the, in the crown of the tooth and especially in that peri-cervical area, so that area just around the neck of the tooth. But 
you know, there's there's at least a little bit of evidence now that sort of shows that if we are more aggressive with our canal preparations, then we're weakening the tooth quite a bit as well. Um, and we're changing where the force distribution goes through the tooth. So if we have larger canal preparations, um, then we have a weaker tooth. And there's not really any way around that. The the bigger the hole you drill in the tooth, the weaker it gets is, is what it comes down to. <laughs> oh, it makes sense. There's no magic there. Um, even though in endodontics we, we seem to be the only specialty where there's studies that come out that prove that you can drill a bigger hole and it doesn't get any weaker. Um, but the you know common sense dictates that that's the case. And so... When we had the older instruments that weren't as flexible, we needed bigger files so that we didn't break the instrument. And then we tailored our technique to that. We drilled bigger holes. Um, and then, oh, look, you know, we, we all went along with this saying, this is better because we can get our needle further down the canal and we can get more irrigant down the canal and we can obturate them better with warm techniques because we can get our heated plugger down to three millimetres from the apex. But really that was driven by the manufacturers telling us don't break our files and the way not to break our files is to drill a big hole, Right. And it looked great on x-rays and everything. But now, because we're sort of leaning a little bit towards being a little bit more conservative, we're now able to have these instruments that are a little bit skinnier, essentially. So, um, you know, we've always had the things like Vortex Blue, the O4 taper instruments, they're a little bit skinnier. But now there's these more tapered instruments like the True Anatomy and the DC taper that are, are much, much narrower coronally. So they don't expand coronally. And, and when we do these preps, we just get skinnier preps. But that, of course, that comes with its problems because you've got to irrigate and, you know, clean some bugs out. And you've also got to obturate the preps. And they're harder to obturate, much harder to obturate. Um, and, you know, it's harder for the companies to produce GP that, that fits these preps as well. And the skinnier the, the, skinnier the canal is and the better the, the file follows the canal, the more difficult it is to, to get a GP that will then fit down that canal and accommodate it. And so it's, it's harder, you know, it, the, the whole process is just that little bit harder. But definitely the manufacture of these instruments now means that we can, if we're able to, prep things a little bit skinnier. And uh, what we're finding over time, you know, we've been doing this for a while now, we're not finding that things are failing endodontically because we're not drilling these these big canals. You know, the main reason teeth endodontically treated teeth fail is they break and they crack and bits break off. You know, we get subgingival fractures or we get cracks in the crown and cracks in the root. Um, they definitely, we get lots fail endodontically, but it's not actually the, the larger group of the failures. The larger group of the failures are restorative failures. And so that comes down to how much tooth remains and how we restore it and how we manage the occlusal forces on the tooth. You know, that's the, the only things that can really contribute to that. So we're certainly starting to think now that maybe the, um, the amount that we prep those canals isn't quite as important as it used to be. You know, I think finding all the canals and getting to length still seems to be relatively important. But when I finished post-grad, I thought you had to prep everything to a 35 minimum, and we did. Um, but 
I rarely do that now and things are still working. Yeah. But it's more yeah, difficult, yeah. you know, it's more challenging. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's challenging and it has to be done well. Mm. Um, what is your common finishing file or shape? Uh, so for a smaller canal, it's typically uh, 25 um, DC taper. So that's a 2506 down at the tip, but it's it's quite narrow through the coronal part. I think it's only a, like a 0.7 millimeter coronally. Um, and larger canals will be whatever suits the canal. You know, it's really about you know it, root form appropriate shaping and uh i'm i'm probably when you look at all the guys that do more conservative endodontics i'm i'm fairly moderate in that you know there's some that are are finishing at at 17 or 20 and still having very good outcomes and there's obviously new technology uh, like the gentle wave and the the lasers now that are really coming out and and they certainly potentially can reduce the, the sizes that we need to prep to, which is a good thing. Um, but again, technically challenging, um, trying to fill those those preps as well. Um, but yeah, I mean that, again, I, I can't say that's the right thing to do. All I could say is that's what I've been doing and it's it's been working for me. So Yeah, yeah. No, that's fair, fair enough. And, and I think you explain it well. That's a common thing, but it all depends on the tooth mm-hmm. and the root and the shape. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, that's given us a lot um, to think about. It's given me a lot to think about, and I'm sure all the listeners as well. Um, I, I want to thank you, um, Dr. Pat Colwell from Endospot, um, what you're doing with your teaching and, and coming on the podcast and all this. We really appreciate it. It's making a difference. Thank you. Welcome to the OrthoEd segment, segment six. This time we're talking about diagnosis and treatment planning. And that's because I just came back from Melbourne. We got to see all the people doing it. There's about 60 people in the room. Um, OrthoEd module one with Dr. Jeff Hall. So before we get started with the segment, I wanted to mention a few things. When I actually went to this course, module one, it's in Melbourne and it was sunny. It was beautiful. Um, But it had rained literally since I left home. And I live in uh, mid-north coast, New South Wales. as you probably heard, it flooded pretty bad. So this quarter, Dental Head Start's going to be donating the, the little bit that we donate and, you know, a little bit more from my pocket and hopefully a little bit more from yours towards the flood victims of um, New South Wales over that time. The other thing is, and the point of this is, this is just my journey in learning orthodontics. It's my journey in, in getting orthodontics as well, but this is not made to be your education and anything I say is just my experience and things I'm, I'm expressing my own understanding at this time and that could change. So if you want to understand orthodontics, reach out to OrthoEd. If you're less than five years out, you can get 10% off through Dental Head Start. Find whichever journey it is you want to make sure you understand what you're talking about with orthodontics. Um, And that brings us to kind of what I want to discuss. My favorite saying, I've said it many times, is we don't know what we don't know. We, We can't see the things that we don't yet understand. And... I think the point of this is one to stay like humble and and make sure that you're still learning and that you recognize you don't know everything, but at the same time to, to continue to have that drive to improve. And ortho is a great example of this. We don't get taught ortho particularly well at university. Like we get the foundations obviously, but to be able to provide that for our patients, there's, there's a whole nother game and a whole nother level that we have to understand. And if we don't understand that we could, and I think really commonly, we, we miss 
things in our patients, our general patient population. We don't see issues that might arise in the future for our younger patients, or we don't see the potential to help someone who's a little older who wants that alignment, and they, they don't even know it's possible. But worse still, we may be doing something and not yet see the complication that's about to arise because we don't understand enough. And that's where orthodontic diagnosis, treatment planning is just such a crucial, you know, foundation of what we're talking about. Um, so something, something simple, you know, I learned from this is um, molars. The ideal rotation for it is so that the distobuccal cusp and a line, a line that passes through distobuccal through mesiopalatal should intersect the canine. And if your rotation of that molar isn't quite right, it might change your whole um, anteroposterior relationship of the the sixes. Like simple things like that. I I, I personally did not. No. Another thing that's really um, I found really interesting and, and Jeff talked a lot about is when you're diagnosing a class 3, it's important to find out whether that's a pseudo class 3 or a genuine class 3. Genuine class 3s, um, as all orthodontists say, is really difficult to treat, something I'm never planning on treating. But there are cases where patients are posturing into class 3 because of the relationship of their teeth. And if you can get them into um, the CR relationship, you might find that it's a pseudo and therefore it may be perhaps a simpler case. Again, making that diagnosis, you want to make sure you get it right. But if you do, that might simplify everything. And Jeff talked about a couple of really interesting ways to diagnose this. And the main way is using it, two lateral surfs. I'd never heard this before, but if you, you take one of them and they're in MIP, so the teeth, they're intercuspating, they're, they're as close as they can be, you're getting the vertical dimension. But then you can do one in CR and that gives their, their true sagittal position of their, their teeth and their jaws. This brings us to that really important question, you know, do we need LATSEFs? And again, this is not, you know, advice on actually how to do it, but what, you know, Jeff is talking about and what he talked about in one of the previous orthoed segments is that a LATSEF is, um, it's really important for, for many reasons, but a key reason is medico-legally and, and for us to know and understand the skeletal relationship, the dental relationship and have some evidence to back that up. And to be able to understand the LATSEF and and um, and and get the numbers that you need from it is, is a pretty important skill. Something else that I learned from this was the the different options we can use to um, to treat a case. And so that's something that I the reason I'm doing the mini masters in, in my opinion, and I've said this before, is because I want to see and hear about the whole range of orthodontics. I want to know what's out there, and I want to know that I'm not pushing my patient into aligners when they could be having a simple fixed appliance or, or, or a shorter treatment in fixed braces or something like that. So so something I learned about in this course from Jeff was the, the carrier appliance. And so this is an appliance, as you can see, it's basically bonded between the six and the three, and then there's an elastic down to the lower molar. And this is something that can um, improve the sagittal relationship before you actually start with appliances or, or, or aligners. And now this works by uprighting the six, rotating the six into that correct position, like I was saying before, that the line between distobuccal and mesiopalatal then needs to intersect the canine. But that simple rotation often can help us get some space to, to fix simple AP discrepancies. The other thing this does is distally displace the entire segment. So that obviously helps in a class two situation. These little things are the things I want to know before um, I embark, and particularly in AP um, corrections for my patients. I, I think we need to know more than just 
aligners or, or just fixed and that's what I'm happy to have got a step one I guess in the mini masters with OrthoEd. Now if you're interested in this you can get a discount through Dental Head Start if you're a, a recent graduate less than five years out or five years out you can get 10% off. Go to dentalheadstart.com slash orthoed and you can find those details there and if you want to learn more about what we're doing with giving you can go to dentalheadstart.com slash giving to find out more about that and perhaps even contribute as well so next episode we'll talk a little bit about kids and some of the things that we want to see and 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 catch in them before they um, you know grow too old and the next thing we'll do after that is finalize my clean check and finally get me in some aligners and actually remove the three two so that we've got some space so um, i'm excited to start that it's going to be interesting actually wearing aligners but i'll let you know how it goes cheers thank you so much for listening to the dental head start podcast i genuinely hope this is helping you become a better dentist so if you like what you're hearing make sure you subscribe on your podcast player and i want you to do me a favor i want you to go to social media and share something that you've appreciated from us with one of your friends that's how the word gets out that's how more people gain and benefit from what we're doing and if you're a dental student or a graduate and you want to get a head start, go to dentalheadstart.com to find everything we're doing to help dental students become great dentists.